Yo, what's good, Diggy? Just chilling. Awesome, man. Here we are, episode 24, season 2 finale, and we have a very special episode for you. Super pumped, man. I'm, I'm proud of us. Uh, we've come a long way. 24 episodes, man. That's, uh, that's significant. Yeah, that's nothing to scoff at, and uh, yeah, it's been... Um, it's been a lot of work, but a lot of fun along the way, and um, yeah, today's episode is no different. We sit down with the legendary DJ Newmark and chop it up, up about everything. Yeah, super pumped, man. Obviously, uh, a huge legend, um, Jurassic 5, a bunch of his own stuff, production, DJing internationally, um, heavy crate digger. Um, kind of ticks off all those boxes, so pretty pretty stoked to have uh, someone of that caliber join us on the show. For sure, super versatile DJ, um, super down to earth. Really, um, kind of opened up to us and gave us a lot of cool tidbits in this episode. So, yeah, it's a good one. With um, you know, with every big episode we do, we find we have a couple challenges, and this one was no different. Um, we had just a bit of hardware issues, so you'll notice that there's a slight. Uh, bit of static in the background but if you get beyond that it's it's a really dope episode yeah it's not even not even that noticeable but uh and and all the content still there great conversation uh super chill guy um and we were humbled that he he was willing to come and and join us on the show so we're, we're super stoked on that yeah man mad respect to newmark and yeah so this is uh the last episode of season two we're gonna take a short little break and try to line up some awesome guests for you for season three yeah man i think uh you know i don't think i want to take quite as long a break this time uh, we got some good momentum going and uh i think there's going to be some big names coming through in the summer and some other people that we've been trying to uh, touch base with and and connect with that just hasn't worked yet so um, just hold tight. We're we're gonna get get back to it uh, as soon as we can. And speaking of hold tight, um, we uh, just uh, started a new uh, partnership with a local streetwear brand called uh, Tight Knit Clothing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're super pumped on that. I actually um, met him at Bastard's Barbecue, so it's kind of uh, kind of another one of those organic kind of connections and. Uh, you know, we like just connecting with people who are do doing dope shit, and uh, I really dig what he's doing. Um, so go check out the website. It's tightknitclothing.com. Uh, there's a bunch of gear up there that you can order, and if you use the promo code THEFIX, uh, the the, fix. Yeah, that'll get you a discount. So go check it out. He's doing a lot of cool shit. Uh, go follow him on Instagram and, and all that good stuff. Uh, and on that note, let's just jump right into this episode, man. Yeah, man, let's do it. Here let's... we go. Peace. Yo, welcome, DJ Newmark, a.k.a. Uncle New, DJ, producer, crate digger, gadget nerd, record label owner, toy collector. I'm sure there's a bunch more titles to that resume, but, uh, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut it there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm all those now. I don't know what, I'm, what else I'm going to acquire over the years coming up. It's going to be an interesting adventure, I guess. 
Yeah, you're you're a man of, of many many talents and and interests. Yeah, I, I maybe I get bored easy or something. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. I I just like jumping to the new adventure and seeing where it takes me. No doubt. Um. So yeah, let's jump right into like you you you're from North Hollywood originally, yes, sir. right? What was um growing up there like as opposed to you know some of the other um neighborhoods in L.A. Yeah. How do you found it? Different? It was you know it was definitely um. A little bit more insulated from other parts of LA, that's for sure. Um, but I got like, you know, as I went to grade school, I got into uh, a lot of rock music and new wave was like really big at the time when I was in junior high. Um, and I, it was just a great influence of a lot of different styles of music um, rock, ska, new wave, and of course hip hop, which completely, you know, um, kidnapped my mind and never let go um and it and through hip-hop it introduced me to funk and soul and everything else but um yeah it was it was interesting it, it was a very diverse neighborhood i grew up in which was great um yeah i was fortunate fortunate enough to have uh friends of all types of ethnic ethnicities so it was, it was cool it's kind of like toronto you guys have tons of ethnicities there I, every time i go there i'm like damn maybe i should move here <laughs> yeah, it's dope. It helps. It helps definitely, like, kind of shape your your musical kind of uh, taste. Yeah, you know? no, I, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a big part of who I am now. That's for sure. You know, um, knowing that, you know, like I remember, like one of the first house parties I played in in high school, we showed up in our crew. We had a crew called Bummers Productions, and they were like, you know, do you guys have any salsa? And we're like, oh. <laughs> Okay, I mean, we showed up with all hip hop crazy. We had a little bit of salsa. We were just ready for anything because there's so many different ethnicities, you know, when we show up. So, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And uh, and yeah, the the bum rush crew yeah. you had, man, that's like the most eighties eighties yeah. name it's ever. Most... That, that's <laughs> that's so a PE era. It's exactly what it was. We were like total PE fans. Yeah, bum rush production. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man, we were doing it big. That's dope, man. Yeah, and you, you mentioned in past interviews that you didn't um, come up from a particularly music background family, but you, you did start playing drums at an early age. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know where I, where I get the music influence from. I, my grandfather played concertina by ear, but I never really hung out with him. I, I, I met him maybe two or three times, you know, but um, I got into drums. I was just always fascinated uh, around the age of seven, and then... Um, just like toying around with like a drum, like a snare drum. Mm -hmm. And then once I got to junior high, I you know, joined band class. And my best friend played bass in the class. And his uncle was a DJ that would go back and forth uh, from New York to L.A. And that's kind of that kind of shaped me into, you know, the next level of the game. And which was, you know, um, learning how to be a bedroom DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And and would that have been DJ Earl or Uncle yeah, Earl? Yeah, Earl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of ironic that now you're affectionately known as Uncle New. Oh, so you, you know you learn from the uncle, and now you're the yeah, uncle. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I guess so. I hadn't hadn't looked at it like that. You guys are the first person to bring that to light. First people to bring that to light. Yeah. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> and um, so your 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 drumming background did that kind of help you um pick up on the uh, beat matching and, and tempo and stuff like that when you started mixing? Yeah, early? I think all that helps a little bit, you know. But uh, DJing and drumming are like two totally different worlds for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean it it helped, you know, rhythmic in, in in a rhythmic sense. But 
for the most part, it was, you know, swimming in a whole new world in the eighties, you know, um, the, the digging part of it was such a huge aspect back then. Um, having clean copies of something or having doubles of something or like, Oh, I need doubles of this record. Oh, but the first press of this was a bad press. It's off centered. Oh crap. I got to wait for the second yeah. press or, um, is the, it, you can't double up on them because they're slightly warped. Oh crap. I'll wait for the second press or, uh, you know, Oh, th that one's out of stock. They only printed, you know, a thousand of them, and, you know, and then there was a big delay from when records were released from New York to LA and, you know, it was way before the internet and it'd be a good two month, three month lag between <laughs> releases. So it just, yeah, it, the whole art of digging was like, it, it was so deep and so complicated. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And then, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm sure wearing down records too, and then trying to find that record, having to even fork out like 10 to 15 bucks for a 12 inch yeah. that you wore down. Yeah, there, there were 399 back there, 499 back then. So that was, that was, <laughs> I guess, I mean, it related to the times, it related to Reaganomic times, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was what it was, you know, and it just. What, uh, what did that DJ setup look like back then? Oh, for it was you? really minimal. It was a realistic mixer and two servo belt drive turntables by Techniques. Okay. Yeah. Those, those kind of turntables are great to kind of get a, get a good feel and get your hand to be light. Yeah. Because eh? I started off on those two, like some shitty, um, I'm looking at it right now, my shitty old Pioneer belt driven yeah. ones. Yeah. With uh, with yeah, the the knob or the rotary pitch control. Yeah, I I wish I would have taped the very first night I bought Technique twelve hundreds because I was up till five a.m. and I was just <laughs> murdering because it was so it was so simple after being on my my belt drive turntables. But I I'm a, I was sure. killing my poor mom. She <laughs> I got to take her to dinner just for that just for that memory. Oh man, that's amazing. God, yeah. So, so you, you kind of, did you, when did you start playing the house parties and stuff? Cause you were like heavy for like five plus years doing yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I started in, um, my first year of high school, 10th grade. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I got introduced to, uh, my best friend who knew, uh, another set of guys that had already done a party or two parties and they, they needed my speakers for a party. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. We're not using my speakers, you know, whatever. I, you know, I'll stay a bedroom <laughs> DJ. I don't need to do a house party that bad. They're like, come on, man, please. We really need them. I was like, okay, fuck it. You know, we went to the house party. Of course, my speakers got kicked in from some, somebody who was faded. Oh, man. You know, but we made a shitload of money. And uh, I remember DJing on an ironing table and no crates, um, no crates at all. Everything was stacked up from, you know, you know, like one record on top of each other, like just the worst way of stacking records. But the, it was like yeah. still like one of the best memories of my entire life. Um, was there any sense to that pile or were they no, just piled no up? Sense, or was... No sense. Hip hop, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, not, hip... <laughs> not by BPMs, no. nothing like that. No I had vibes. a crate with like techno pop and like, you know, you know, Egyptian lover type of stuff, you know, um, you know, crap mm -hmm. work, that kind of stuff. But no, the rest was just hip hop. What was hot at the time, you know top villain must have got played three times or something like that that night it was yeah. just complete craziness it's funny i always remember that being kind of like organized confusion yeah. like there was i would always kind of know where shit was even though it looked like a complete fucking yeah that's kind of like my serato library now yeah actually. no it's all the same it's all the same <laughs> yeah who, who were some of the influences for you back then oh uh 
Jazzy Jeff, Cash Money, DJ Aladdin was a huge, huge um, influence for me here in L.A., um, being that sure. he was from the West Coast. Um, I would literally study the way he would stand when he would DJ. That's how, like, in-depth in I got with uh, Aladdin. He, he mesmerized me. He made it look effortless. Uh, DJ Miz, um, of course, Bambada back then, and Herc, and um, Flash, of course. Um, all, all the pioneers, for sure. But the, the but the middle school guys were really kind of catching my attention. You know, like the Jazzy Jeff era was really catching my attention because there was a, a revolution of new scratches and new ways of doubling up on records and techniques and, mm -hmm. and, and new records being introduced on top of that. So, yeah, it, it just kind of fucked me up and I had to, I had to chase it. Yeah. And, and without the visual references back then, it was more just like you're just kind of listening and like trying to figure out what exactly was going on. I yeah. Guess, right? Just picking up the needle a bunch of times and going, wait, he's moving the fader out or in. Are you, is it on at this point or off at this point? And then you're like, oh, oh it's off. OK. And you just keep drilling it. So it's just your ears became, you know, your your primary source of detection, really. Um, For sure. Yeah, and to this day, I still don't really like looking at the Serato screen. It throws me off a little bit. Yeah, you can get caught in a little bit of paralysis over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was surprised to actually read in, in, in the Vibe magazine quotable that you had that you only had seen Jazzy Jeff for the first time in 2004 live. Yeah, as far as doing a DJ set, yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen videos of him rocking. I've seen, um, yeah, I don't know how that happened. I'm... I, I don't know how that happened. I really don't. For someone I, I looked up to so much, uh, but to watch a full set from front to back, you know, a proper 90-minute, two-hour set, that was my first time. Um, I'm trying to think if I maybe botched that interview up, but no, I, no, I, I, I don't remember seeing him before that, and it was it was insanity, man. I was completely tripping out on it. And did you did you leave that party being like I need to put in some more work, or did you pick up anything well, um, from that it, show? It wasn't that kind of feeling I got, and I, and I explained this night from a feeling perspective because it was just all heart. Um, I, what I got from it was that here's a guy that's grown with the times, and is um, isn't compromising anything that he's doing. You know what I mean? And and it. Yeah. it that's that really resonates with me. Um, I, I like to come from a, a, a place of truth. Um, actually, I have that written over my studio door. It just says the word truth. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes you can get in the music business or become a performer or an executive or whatever and kind of lose your way because outside influences or trends and that kind of thing. And Jeff didn't really seem to be bothered by that he just kind of stayed on route stayed on course and I, I really admired that and I was already a few years into my career you know by 2004 and I was like okay I get it yeah just treat my career like a jazz musician like maybe like B.B. King would you know and just mm -hmm. just stay true to your craft and and that that's that's what was resonating with me yeah, and I think that's why guys like Jeff, you, and, and a handful of others have had this longevity because they they seem to not be chasing something and just going from the heart and soul. Like you, you mention a lot in interviews and when you talk, you know, that feeling from the soul and truth. Yeah, yeah it, um, it's important, you know. Um, you know, it, there's, there's different ways to, to attack the business, I guess. You know, that I'm not saying 
by any means, this is the way or the right way. Um, it's just something that resonates with me. And uh, I, I just really admire music and I know I'll never be a master of it. Um, I'll just be learning the whole way. And that, I think that's why I'm so intrigued. It's just like this beautiful maze, a beautiful maze that just keeps <laughs> luring me down another corridor. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. That's amazing. So, yeah, I think a lot of people kind of know the origin story of how Jurassic 5 was formed. It was the the joining of Unity Committee and Rebels of Rhythm and then sprinkle in a little new mark at the end yeah. there. Um, but could you tell us the significance of The Good Life? Yeah, Good Life was um, uh, herbal ca- herbal cafe, I guess you would call it, um, or herbal store. Um not an herbal store like we we have today in our legal weed community. Oh uh, no, God! Imagine if that was the case back then. I, I hadn't thought of that. That's interesting. You know that. Wow, that would have completely changed B Hall's whole business. Wow, man, you just you, that's that you're two for two, man. That those are two perspectives I hadn't thought of. Damn. Yeah, I gotta talk. I gotta talk yeah, to we, some of the homies about that to win a trip. Because yeah, if she if if she would have had their, her her weed license. She would have done a killing in that place. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I mean. But instead, I guess, herbal teas and, and the yo, like. No, you just, you just blew my wig. I, I kind of can't move forward just thinking about how, like, how her, her, her profits would have been so crazy different. Anyway, um, yeah, it was. Uh, what, what is she up to now? Can she do a, a, the Good Life 2.0 or something I, and launch it with some cannabis? I, I don't, she should. I don't know. I saw her in the movie, you know, the Good Life movie, and she looks she looked well and happy and beautiful and smiling and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, the Good Life I only frequented about maybe four to five times. I, I, was far, I lived mm-hmm. kind of far away, and my truck always broke down back then from doing all the house parties. And it, mm-hmm. my, my truck had seen better days. But the few times I was there, I saw some really amazing parking lot battles. And I saw Mike and I take out like four MCs just single-handedly, like one after another. It just crazy shit, man. Um, but um, the good life was basically, um, you know, uh, an event that happened every Thursday night. And... Uh, MCs would go up there and rhyme, and they couldn't use curse words. That's pretty much the premise, you know. Okay. They could freestyle, they could perform, whatever it is, but they couldn't curse. And if you were whack, they would say, "Please pass the mic," and it would be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And 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 rapping, I I think a lot of rappers these days would have a very difficult time not cursing. I mean, yeah. there's a few that are out there doing it, and I, uh, so much props to them because you got to get really creative, and you can't get lazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, I I work with a lot of you know, at the end of the day, cursing is costly. Like when I'm with mm-hmm. artists, like when I'm with uh, Trey, you know, some kid Trey from Farside, um, we're, we're working on the we finished the new trademark EP, and there'd be songs we'd be cursing, and I'm like, you don't need the word shit there. You can use a million other words there. You know, like at the <laughs> end of the day, the time it takes for me to print a clean version costs money. To master a clean version costs money. And it, it just takes space up on vinyl when you print it. And it makes your shit fucked up in low in volume. Like, let's kill the clean version altogether and add the acapella or the instrumental instead. You know what I mean? So I'm still For a vinyl sure. head and I still think in that way. So it, it's costly. It, it wastes time. It wastes money. It wastes sound. <laughs> no doubt. And, and we're, we're, we're going to jump into that uh, a bit more later. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just quickly touch on, on the production on What's Golden. Uh-huh. Um 
Can you tell us like how that kind of came together, if you recall, in like the gear that was used or, or, or the process back then? Yeah, um, it was more a mindset I was in at the time. I was I was frustrated, um, I guess maybe a little bit angry, and my back was kind of up against the wall at the time. I had just moved into a new home and building uh, my first studio in the home because I was tired of going to studios and not getting accurate mixes back. On top of that, my group was like, hey, when's the studio ready? We need to record. So I was a little Mm -hmm. bit frustrated, you know, that the workers were coming like one to two days out of the week and showing up drunk and all that. Oh, man. Contractor woes, baby. I should should, should have called it contractor (laughs) woes. Um, So, yeah, there was a lot of pressure and pressure from the label, pressure from the management, pressure pressure from the group. And I wanted to get it finished because I wanted to move in and I wanted to actually have clean clothes and have my own shower. It was just it was a crazy time. I was being really compressed. Um, anyway, the first moment I had to set up, I just set up. They weren't even done doing construction. I set up my MPC 2000 and just kind of got to work and pumped out a few of these. One of them was Freedom, um, but I, I kind of ignored it. I kind of brushed it aside. I, I half finished the beat and then jumped to what's gold because I was in that mood and in that energetic. I had to get a lot off my chest, you know? I was in that mm-hmm. mode. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the state of mind. <laughs> yeah. Dog right there. <laughs> um, so is, did you already have the, the sample on hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had the, I had the record around, you know, and I, too, had been ignoring that record. I, 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 it was there. I knew I wanted to get to it. I didn't know I wanted to get – I didn't know I wanted to get to that particular part of the record. I just knew there was something on there, and um, I ended up like chopping the shit out of it. That's crazy, man. That 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 beat still bangs, man. Anytime you hear that in the club, you know everyone's bumping. Yeah, it's, thanks. At least the heads. thanks, man. That's 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 still I think one of my favorites for, from the group. Yeah, that's dope. I, it's also I'm very curious too about because um, these days you barely see any groups with even one DJ, let alone two. What led you guys to having two DJs in, in J5? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, me and Cut got along really well, and I kind of came late to the party. You know, he had his group, and then there was Rebels of Rhythm, and Cut kind of kicked the whole thing off with a beat and brought everybody in under that beat, under that umbrella. And I just kind of came in, and I was always adding ideas, and I started adding beats, and then we're like, hey, let's just, let's just treat it like, you know... Um, like um like dougie fresh's djs they had two djs that was pretty cool you know let's try it again but let's like let's sorry let's update the formula you know um yeah it's dope it it translated well especially in the live live setting i always found it dope watching you guys on stage together it allowed us to do a lot more things too um like while one guy was rhyming over what cut was doing on some turntables i could be getting the sp 1200 ready or getting another whole set of sounds ready back then you know and back then as you For know sure. it was like kind of tough to get a bunch of sounds ready at, at on a fly we didn't have that much like daw power computer power and like mm-hmm. it was you know so <laughs> yeah. like every chance we got we would we would you know pull up a whole new set of sounds and we had four turntables and a drum machine to, to make it happen you know yeah so- that's a that's a good segue into my next question. Um, what is your preferred kind of software hardware setup these days for production? Um, I'm an Ableton Live guy. Uh, yeah, I've been eyeballing the shit out of that MPC X, and I like spent 
It's beautiful. It's pretty it's as hell. It's pretty as hell. And I was looking at it all last night and going, God, do I really want another learning curve? I don't know. I, I, I have, uh, I'm, I'm an idea guy and I have like 10 ideas that I'm trying to get to right now that I'm behind on. And, uh, sometimes those ideas just plague you. They just kind of keep knocking on your door and like, Hey, come on, get to me. So like a learning curve would just kind of derail me a little bit and yeah, I'm I'm in a, a weird state right now. I'm pretty organized and I'm pretty ready to go where I'm at. Um, I'm having some sort of loop glitch where it crashes my computer in Ableton. Can't figure out what it is, uh, but uh, I still need to update to 10, so maybe hopefully that'll cure it. So you were a DJ first, got into production afterwards. I uh, wanted your take on how important you think it is um, for a producer to also be a DJ. Well, actually, I was a producer first, believe it or not. Um, wh- when oh, I was really? in those band classes with my best friend, uh, uh, I was playing drums, and I would sneak uh, uh, a Roland uh, 606 into the class and play patterns and because I was hearing a lot of beats on the radio at the time, and I, I couldn't understand what they were doing, so... I got a little cheap drum machine and I was, I was like, Oh, this is what's happening. And then I just didn't understand how they were getting all the different sounds. So I went from that to meeting his uncle and to DJing. Um, okay. But to, to answer your question, I, I, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would use the word important for it. I think it's cool. I think it'll help you. Um, mm-hmm. but I've seen amazing producers that don't know a damn thing about DJing, you know, um, there's, yeah. there's, yeah, I don't think it's a prerequisite by any by any means. Um, uh, that said, it's, it's made me do really funky things and um, incorporate the turntables in a way that I know producers just uh, producers that don't DJ wouldn't touch. Um, and so it, it 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 tends to kind of like you know loosen up the springs a bit when you're a DJ and you produce. You know, you 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 think from a producer's standpoint, um, but you can kind of loosen up the mix too, because you know, you know how you how you'd want to mix it, where the pocket should really sit. You know, especially when you, it comes to like a, a lead in, like a pop up, pop up, da da, ba ba ba, boom, bam. You know, those <laughs> kind of things. You start thinking of <laughs> yeah, yeah. like segues and lead ins to make your your production DJ palatable. You know what I mean? Yeah. How important was, um, or how pumped were you to kind of get invited to do Rhythm Roulette? I mean, because you're you're amongst some legends on that series. Yeah, man, that was a that was a really interesting day, dude. Um, I almost completely bricked. Like, I thought it was like the end of my career at, at one point in that show, for real. Like, I almost <laughs> completely bricked. Like, I the first two records were so nothing. Well, yeah, George Benson's breezing is like you see like five copies of that at every yeah, record store. It's one yeah. of the least <laughs> digged George Benson records. Yeah, and it's like the one record that I ignore in my collection, like save my ass, you know. Um, but like one of those records, it was seriously just noise, like just mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was crazy. And then I, I just had to kind of remind myself of LP's um, episode, yeah. who had I think he had a, a Warp record or, or he had something. Yeah, he had a yeah. warp record. His his um like his sampler wasn't working, and he was oh, just cursing the God. whole time, smoking, smoking cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's painful. So I, when I saw that, I think I don't think you appeared to close to even yeah. show no, the pressure it, that that LP it, was inside. I was a hot mess, man, for real. I, that Benson <laughs> record saved my ass because it was down to that jazz record, and it was like 
God, like one horn stab. It was, I mean, they weren't giving me anything. Like, and I, I can usually, you know, turn the lemons into lemonade, but man, this, I mean, it was dry picking. So, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if any other producers have been in that situation and just like kiboshed their oh, whole rhythm yeah, roulette episode. I've, I'd like to try to do some digging I've, on that. I've seen it. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Okay, so, so verified. We're not gonna. We're not gonna get you to. No, name no. Names. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough, right? Because the. I mean, if you if you're if you're going to a store that doesn't have heat, you're gonna you're gonna have some problems, you know. So like these you mm-hmm. know, guys that are just going to any store, they're gonna have a problem. Um, but you know, it, you know, th- I I wanted to do the challenge because um, for a lot of reasons. One, I, I want to continue to strengthen my skill or a strength of my skill set, I should say. And um, I've always had the approach of letting music lead the way anyway. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm sampling, I, I don't go, I never go against the grain. I just go, oh, this sample wants me to go here. Okay, I'll go there with it. You know, like, I, I've always said, I don't think I've ever produced a record. I just feel like the, the music has led me down some sort of path, and I've just kind of chased it. Like, um, and, and that goes for standalone plugins or, like, you know, third-party plugins, like, if I touch one key, it's it's telling me, oh, press the next key. Like I, it's I don't feel like it's really coming from me. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. I know it sounds strange, but I don't really feel like it co- is coming from me. I'm just saying I just feel like it's like, oh, this pad is making me go here, you know, and then uh-huh. I just go with it. I don't try to go, you know, like it, it's like when don't I was mentioning the what's it. golden thing. I was in a very anxious, angry, pissed off, back to the wall mood, but I couldn't get to that feeling first like i had to make freedom and i had to make a few other things first and finally Mm -hmm. something presented itself i'm like fuck yeah and i dug my teeth into it you know like (laughs) finally give it to me you know um yeah 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 that's awesome man um so yeah let's jump into a bit of the dj shit now um we got a little take on the production and uh want to hear about uh your experience in taiwan recently at red bull three style How, how was that yeah, I'm, my, I'm, I'm still buzzing off of it. Like it's, it's, yeah, I'm still completely buzzing off it. Like I played a, a snowed out show in Seattle after that, and like, it was it just wasn't a good show, and I, I didn't care because I was still buzzing on Taipei. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, whatever. It was, that shit was so fucking dope, and like, you know, my my number one reason for going out or being invited someplace like that's far away and, and attending is, is just learning. And like the first year I judged it with, with uh, Jazzy Jeff and scratch Bassett and everybody. I, I, I was just like bugging out because the contestants, the, all the competitors were shifting through tempos really fast, like mm-hmm. going from like 90 yeah. BPM to like 120 in a matter of like, you know, five to 10 minutes, which is, which like 10 minutes, which I think is really fast for that kind of tempo changing, you know, like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend to do like a natural progression over, over the night, you know, but, um, they really, they, they really helped me out because I was doing the Zodiac track series on my Facebook and I had to jump through tempos within two to five minutes because I had to honor yeah. every artist that I was trying to pay homage to in respect and in, in their respective birthdays. And so I learned a lot from them and I was asking them a lot of questions. So yeah, just to kind of get to your, your point, man, it, it was just more of a learning thing than, than anything else on every year. 
but Taipei was really special. Um, you know, as you guys know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you know, Jeff was, you know, someone I just really looked up to and he, he, he said some really kind words about me towards the end of the whole trip, um, in a DJ city Red Bull, um, interview, like shouted me out, like shout out to Newmark for an incredible set last night. And I was like, serious, like outer body experience shit. Like I, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just went off stage and hugged him. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's dope. The the three style criteria kind of like um, it's really kind of changed the game. You kind of mentioned how they switch so quickly between tempos. Like what what's your take on that? Like how, how do you find uh, you enjoy the Red Bull sets versus like a, a full kind of like two hour set? Yeah, no, I, I you get a good sense for what a DJ is about, you know, in a 10 to 15 minute set like they're doing in three style. Um, uh, and I completely agree with the criteria. Um, I think it's about how to rock a party and how to incorporate all your skills into one set, you know, scratching, juggling, whatever it is, um, crowd, yeah. crowd rocking, you know, your presence. Um, I, th I think that's where I've always been, you know, from my house party days to present, you know, even with J five on stage or if, um, you know, uh, if, if I'm on the road by myself, I, I incorporate all those things or at least I try to. Um, and so, you no, know, it's the criteria is proper and I agree by it. I agree to it. Yeah. Yeah, man, uh, it's it's just incredible. Every year, I think it seems to the field seems to be improving. U.S. really came out this year pretty strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I I was I call I was telling Diggy I'm like someone from the U.S. is winning this year for sure. Yeah, it was yeah. a strong field. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Chris Villa, you had Espinosa, you had a bunch of just it was it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and and, and yeah, shout outs to the Bay Area, man. Like we we kind of have a very different perspective out here in Toronto. Like we have a very strong DJ yeah. scene, but um, just just the way they rock and their vibe out out in the Bay Area is pretty pretty unique and special. Yep. It's loose. It's loose which is which is yeah, dope and, and uh, you know and let's you know bay area so that's where i think we were talking about this the other day like you, you if you're from the bay area and you play blow the whistle it's over the the part <laughs> the jam is on <laughs> too funny yeah so 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 onto the zodiac mixes you were just mentioning um uh you kind of mentioned the inspiration came from paying homage to to these artists is is that why how it came about where did the idea start and and why did you see it to fruition yeah well um i i wanted to do something well i posed a question on my facebook um and i asked my fans or not fans i just asked the people who who, who check in on me uh, i don't i don't even believe in the fan thing anymore actually not more I, more i think about it um i i just asked my people like you know what would you rather see and i didn't say from me i just said what would you rather see steady content or an album mm -hmm. because it's been like the age-old question and especially a really big question for guys in my age bracket from the middle school you know I don't mm -hmm. consider myself old school. I consider myself middle school. Like old school's Herc and all those dudes, you know. We're, we we kind of yeah. picked it up around the Pete Rock era. So like, we're trying to like pass along the fire or keep the torch burning or whatever you want to call it. And everybody everybody wrote on the comments an album. Okay. And I went to bed. I woke up the next morning and I read the comments again. More were there, and I was like, I don't believe them. I just don't believe them. <laughs> I think is I think I think they're used to a conditioning to saying, "Hey, when's the album coming out?" 
I don't think they even sit through albums. Like I, I sit through albums. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll sit in my, you know, my library here and, you know, look at the liner notes and the jazz musicians and the year and the label and all that. But I don't think, I think all those people weren't being honest with me. And I decided to test it. And okay. like, within the first month I, I said uh you know well let me just try doing um gemini since i'm a gemini and then i did two gemini mixes to because we're twins and tons of comments tons of views it was just like my numbers went up that day everything went up and i was like my album didn't do this and it was out for three months <laughs> you know four months it didn't get it didn't get this much traction so then everybody was writing, it, oh, you know, you got to do the next sign. I'm like, oh, shit. I just spent, you know, all this time <laughs> doing two signs for, for one month. I'm like, okay. So then I was like, okay, so let me let me do it. By the time I hit Leo, my numbers had already, like, my followers had already quadrupled. And I was like, no, people, yeah, they may want a project or a song or a single or even an album. But mm -hmm. you got to kind of spoon feed them content. Um, yeah, the attention span nowadays in the internet era is much different than, you know, 10, 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and, and maybe it, those were just my core, core, you know, homies that were looking out, and maybe it's just that my series broadened my viewership or whatever, you know. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting learning lesson, and it was especially fun because it challenged my skill set. At one point, I asked the guys over at Serato, hey, can you guys, you know, I know you guys have a BPM section an artist section and a key section. Can you add Zodiac sign in one of the sections? <laughs> uh, yeah. They didn't even giggle like you guys. They're like, huh? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it it's very tough to, to match all those things up and change yeah. tempos because you have to get to the most important songs or the, or the songs that resonate with me, um, which is how the three style thing helped out. It's like, man, they're just moving through tempos like crazy. Like, and um, yeah, it turns out I was just overthinking the whole process and, you know, like young kids do, they just jump in, they just dive in the deep end. And so I was like, okay, let me get back to my 13 year old new and, and get to it. But, um, yeah, um, that's kind of how it came about. Like, you know, and, and wanting to have steady content. Like I've always wanted to have steady content, and, uh, not just, you know, some people, you know, like a singer will hit you up, you know, Hey, you know, I sing really good. And you go to her page and it's just selfies of her, you know? It's yeah. just like, well, I don't know what you, what you do. Like, I don't know how you sound. I don't know your timbre. I don't know your range. What octave do you live in? Like, I, I don't know anything about you because you're showing pictures of your face on 900 pictures. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't know you. Like, you know, so, you know, seeing guys like DJ Coco and like Bastard and all these dudes who actually like show their craft on the page is really cool. Like, it's like, yeah, that's that's why I press the follow button. Yeah. yeah. Authentic content. No doubt, and it, and it's um just to your point earlier about you you know the, channeling the thirteen year old you, it did seem like you meticulously prepped that like you're you're pulling out records like a ninja, stacking records on the turntable. It's almost like dizzying to watch, and you know trying to like reverse engineer that as a fan. <laughs> oh whoa! <laughs> you know what the craziest part, the biggest curveball of Zodiac tracks was though, believe it or not, and I'm ashamed to say it is, every month like clockwork i would not have the hip-hop record i would have the sample to the hip-hop record okay. because of serato because i thought i had it because i own the mp3 i thought 
like yeah. I out, you know, I tricked myself. Oh, I have it. I have most def black mm-hmm. on both sides. No, no, I don't. Shit. Like, damn. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was hunting for those records almost every month. So that made the tightrope walk even more narrow. Um, but believe it or not, the prep wasn't. I, I know my records really well. Like I, the records that I have, I know them really well. Like I shot each one of those and I would nail them between one and three takes. I mean, um, I should do, I should do an interview with the guy that shot every one of them, my boy Pablo. Cause he could have, they'd have more insight as to what he saw me doing and saw like okay. where I fucked up or like, you know, the parts that were really easy. Cause everyone's like, man, that must've took a long time to prep. Like how many times did you rehearse it? And, the rehearsal part wasn't the hard part for me. It was gathering the birthdays. Like I, I suck at research. Like I, I yeah. hate research. I hate being in front of a computer looking up birthdays and like striking out and like, and then seeing two different birthdays, like two sites have two different birthdays and <laughs> trying to, you know, chase down. I had to do all that. And it was just, ugh. yeah. That, yeah. That, I, I, I'm surprised you said you only ran through it um, so few times because I, I don't I don't even think like I just rewatched I, I think three or four of them last night and uh, noticed you you barely even touched the headphones a lot of just just going at yeah it. we'll see there was a lot of like confusion about the headphone thing that um, it's man it's funny like people get really locked into like this like a um, a robotic uh, mindset it's interesting. Um, what people didn't figure was that in my room, I turned the volume way down in my room so I could hear my headphone bleed just fine. So, yeah, like I, and they're always around my neck, (laughs) but people are like, how you do it without headphones? You know, like this is fake or whatever, you know, I'm like, no, I I can hear it fine. I just don't need it on my fucking ears making me hot in my studio, you know, (laughs) because I got my, my camera guy has a bright light on me. I don't want, I just, I didn't want my ears to get hot. That's all it was. Yeah. 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 We were just chatting (laughs) about that before we started chatting with you. We thought you were just like doing some ninja shit with the vibration feel, you know what I mean? And just straight up needle dropping too. No, I mean, there's some needle drop parts in it for sure. But, but for the most part, no, I, I can hear my bleed in, and you can see me kind of looking for it, but no, no, I just had the room volume really low. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Dope. Dope. One of the subtleties I really, uh, I liked in it is when you were clarifying whether it's the rapper or producer, like for example, like MF doom versus mad Lib when you were doing the mad villainy yeah. stuff or like Pac versus drain with California. Yeah. Love. Um, so yeah, that's that's so dope and it's i think it's hit such a big audience like you said like i've showed it to um you know non-dj friends and they're just like so wow just because it has a kind of a universal appeal with seeing whose birthdays when yeah, and you know knowing which artists so you get kind of it's it's fun yeah it, and it's you know i don't really go crazy over the zodiac thing like you know if i'm dating someone like hey you know what side are you i don't really go like deep into that whole thing but at one point wow man like i want to say like season two like the second year of it i was like man this the <laughs> like i don't know how to explain it okay like libra was 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 acting like all the libras i knew like it was um like the decision making process was like very difficult or like here no here let me give you a better example like gemini i'm a gemini like I, I planned the set. I'm like, okay, cool. I think these are the records. Next morning, I was like, I hate everything. You know, like it was like very much my personality, you know, like du- duality, yeah. you know, and like, um, uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to make people mad, but like the Tauruses I deal with are very fucking difficult. God damn. And, and the, the, that was like always the hardest sign to plan. It was like, God damn, just give me something, anything. It was almost like my rhythm roulette episode. Like, fuck, I just, 
just give me something and then i would get it and it would be stubborn and like it just it was it, it got <laughs> it funny. got weird at one point the first year i didn't even notice it maybe i just wasn't looking for it or something but the second year i was like oh my god if this is really acting like an aquarius right now like the the, the prep the prep <laughs> the time can, the cancer on. set was all laid back yeah and... <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's weird dude i don't know how to say it but what my favorite parts of zodiac tracks of, of anything uh related to the series is when there would be an artist who sampled the same sign of, a, of another artist. And like, I think there's yeah, one with cool. Alchemist, Scorpio, Prodigy, I believe it was, who's Scorpio, and they sampled a Scorpio artist. And I was like, yeah, three for, like, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I can honor more people in one song, the better, you know? Or, or Lauren Hill incepting Paul yeah, McCartney. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's the, those yeah. kind of things, they're fun. So, um, which sign do you think has the most talented artists? Mm. You know, um, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can narrow it to one, but the Aquarius is really, really bubbling high. Aquarius is high. Um, Scorpio and Aquarius were really high. Yeah. Come on, man. Where's the Gemini? I'm a fellow Gemini yeah, as hey, well. No, like <laughs> Gemini was dope. Gemini was very dynamic. It was beautiful yeah. to see the dynamic you know, Prince and Kendrick and fucking king t and like i mean i mean all these people just very dynamic you know ice cube it was just all wait i don't know if king t was no king t is not outside sorry um ice cube um but no every everybody was very like they came from a lot of different walks of life which i really liked and, and no don't get me wrong there was a shitload of them it was very hard to, to narrow these down i had to do two seasons um i could probably do mm-hmm. another four but it's just um <laughs> i like like having a life and eating lunch <laughs> <laughs> out so um just to switch it up a bit you were talking about uh you know content versus album all all of those sorts of things and you've been on the mickey d show a couple times on dj city how do you like doing that like long format set versus the five to ten minute bangers um yeah i don't mind i i you know i'm i i, I like it kind of you can present a um i guess a more in-depth story um and kind of mm. show people you know what you're about um you're kind of under a microscope the whole time but you know uh yeah i mean it 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 pushes me to be a stronger dj for sure you know it pushes me to to kind of sharpen up you know where i'm sloppy you know not not to say those sets were sharp um but it 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 Mm -hmm. makes you reflect and go hey i need to really work on this part a lot like this is like what i thought i had down i don't you know um it's i'd say more than anything it helps you like tell the story better and it and it shows you where you need to work that's what i would say Mm -hmm. yeah i i like i think it's for me personally those kind of long sets are are a little bit more inspirational and gives gives you a little um more more of a in-depth look into someone's like vibe and how they feel so it's kind of like a whole whole story versus just like a little snippet of a story yeah and um, is it like a little more challenging in that environment? Because it's not like really read. You, you have your mix kind of set, and it's not reading the crowd as much. You're sitting a, to a bunch of captive dudes who are all DJs, just kind of staring at you. Is that is that a little awkward? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's 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 a handful of gigs that you have to ignore the audience or the people that are in front of you, and that's one of them. Um, you know, you're not reading the the DJ city room. Um, the, another one is, is sometimes in Red Bull three style, it's like that, 
because there's so many people on the internet peeping, you know, for my sake, I'm not talking about for like the um, competitors, you know, but for a guy like Mm -hmm. me, uh, sometimes I, I tend to plan my set more towards the internet and more towards like maybe some of the more heady things or some of the more subliminal things Mm -hmm. because they're going to, you know, they want to see something crazy. You know, they're at, they're at home on their computer or on their phone. So yeah. at a live event, they're feeling the energy from people and they, they just want the um, well-known bangers and they want to dance. But when you're mm-hmm. in front of a laptop sitting down, it's, it's just a completely it's, – that's a very challenging gig, Red Bull 3 style. Very challenging. Mm-hmm. It, it, it opened up chambers in my mind I had never even considered. Like yeah. you take like, – like, and- like for instance, like – yeah, like even Bass's barbecue at the end, like, hmm, like, do I play 45s for the people that are here so they can dance, or do I play 45s for the live feed that, that Discogs yeah. is covering? Like, hmm, like, this is yeah. kind of challenging. Like, and, and what did you, where did you land on that in between for, for that particular set? For both, I, I landed in between. Actually, yeah. I leaned more towards the nerdy, heady thing and, um, yeah, I got good clips out of it, but the energy in the crowd I didn't I didn't get from previous years. So okay. yeah, it was an, it was an interesting one. Like so, it's it's gonna have to be like right down the middle, I think, come, moving forward. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's that balance, I think. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. Like the people on the internet are maybe scrutinizing it more because they're more heads and nerds, yeah. and you know, trying to pick up on tricks or, or, or techniques yeah. or you know get inspiration yeah yeah even as a viewer of the red bull three style stuff like it was always kind of hard to gauge like what the room felt yeah. like you know like certain sets like that may have gone gotten through or qualified or whatever i'm kind of sitting back going oh really like that guy i thought that guy killed it a little bit yeah. more but like yeah it's a different perspective yeah. and it's a complete sure. and, and to add you know another layer to it from my standpoint you know I, i'm i'm a judge so i'm not trying to like really go you know like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to compete with anybody. I'm trying to just show who I am and why I'm here. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, sure. it's interesting, man. It, it yeah, I, I don't like thinking too much before I, you know, put together sets or DJ and this one makes you think a lot more. Yeah. I think that's a classic uh, DJ move just to overthink. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a reoccurring theme amongst everyone here or having plans and, and the minute you're out in, you know, in, in the live setting, it, your your plans go out yeah, the window. Yeah, this is true. Um, I I want to touch a, a bit on the digging. I know I know you're probably you mentioned in, in the past few years you haven't been heavy into digging as much, but I, I think that's an important part of your story. Yeah. No. I mean, I am. I I say I'm not, but I am. I'm a. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> once once you're a digger, you're I, yeah, always going to be mean, down. It's just I don't I I don't dig in the field the way I used to. I, I'm I'm not as like you know spend the whole day digging like the the way I used to, but I I I'm always spending way too much money on records. And if I live where you guys lived, I'd be broke with friggin' Aki store over there. Good lord! Oh yeah, my yeah. god, he's yeah. starting to scare me, man. Man, oh, he's starting to scare me. God damn. You're you're gonna be spending oh, some loot. Uh, man, he's starting to scare soon. me. There's a few things he posted recently. I'm like, come on, man. I, I asked him yeah, about one record, coming. and you said you'd have to give me your nuts. <laughs> I like, okay, I guess that one's not for sale. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, but no, crazy. look, look, you know, like I, 
I'm I'm filling holes at this point. Like I'm just I'm just spending money on expensive records that I just always wanted and need to have, and that I think are important pieces of art. That's that's how I'm looking at it now. Uh, I'm I'm not really going into like basements like I used to and coming home with my hands all black and with like 500 yeah. records or 100 records or even 50 records. I'm like trying to find two or three things that are like banging. And, mm-hmm. Quality um, over quantity. Yeah, that's that's kind of my approach now. I mean, no more quantity. I'm trying to just look for the quality heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you've mentioned uh, the size of Pete Rock and Biz Marquis' record collection. Is there anyone you're envious of their collection? Um, yeah, I'm envious of like everybody's collection. There's always a record that somebody has that I don't have. As long as I've been digging, there's yeah. always like, and it's always like some stupid shit. It's kind of like the Zodiac thing I was mm-hmm. telling you about. Like, oh damn, I don't have most death black on both sides. Why not? Like, it's always like a, a <laughs> uh, not to call that a stupid record either. It's a great record. Um, but it's always like something so like that that i should have had you know yeah um yeah it's it's crazy man i i I don't know i don't know how else to put it it's just like um and even from like beginning collectors i'll I'll go to their house you know like hey man you know can you teach me some things or whatever and they'll have something in their collection i'll be like oh my god what is this like you don't have that you know yeah so (laughs) i always feel dumb i'm always learning you know is there is there a lot of sharing amongst you and the homies? Like, for example, like would you have gone and bought black on both sides, or would you be like, can you just lend this to me for the week? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> I tend I, I I didn't ask for many lendouts on Zodiac tracks when I was in a bind. I think I asked for one. Oh yeah, I asked for one uh, from Mike Gaff, and oh, I kept striking out on the fucking. Um, I forgot the name. Uh, the Norman. Ah, uh, what's his last name? I forgot the name of the record. But I kept striking out on this record, and it kept getting like swiped right in front of my face. And I needed it to to um, go into one of the common samples. And of course, I found it right after he let me borrow it. But um, <laughs> that was the only lender. <clears throat> yeah, he's got quite a quite an enviable collection, I'd imagine. Oh, Gap has a great year and a great collection the moment i met gaff i um i was like man we're gonna be friends forever like and it's like you get to an age where you're like oh i'm not gonna make any more friends and something about me <laughs> and gaff it was just like um we have the same kind of um outlook and goals towards music you know he he, he just he, yeah. he just wants to learn and he just wants to like have dope shit he has a great collection because it's it's very it's not a huge collection, but everything in there, man. You're like, yo, you got this, dude. Like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think from anyone who I've met uh, <laughs> on a personal level, well, he's probably like the most knowledgeable music yeah. guy. I and he's know. not a and, like, and he's not a dick about it. And there's a lot. Of, the, no, there's he, a lot he, of diggers that are dicks, yeah. straight up. Like, you know. Yeah. No, he's so open and he's so willing yep. to like answer your yep. questions about certain records, labels, right. that sort and of thing. And that's how I learned. You know, I learned through a guy named Brother Soul before, like, mm-hmm. when I was doing the house party era, before J5, before all that. And I would play something and then he would play something and fuck me up and go, yo, this is mm-hmm. the original sample to Three Times Dope, or this is the original sample to I'm like, oh, you're finding original samples. I'm just trying to find anything that's funky. And you're you're pulling mm-hmm. out like okay, 
Like, and so the sharing is what gets you to learn and learning is what gets you to exhibit your art in your own way and then influence the next person and keep the culture growing. You're putting water on the plants. You're, you know, tilling the field. You're fucking, you know, harvesting the crops, all that. And the, the hoarding of information is always just, I, I, I tend to just walk away from those people because I, 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 you'll never just play one club by yourself. You have to, it has yeah. to be a fleet of us just making this shit happen so the culture can survive and we can all continue to do this, you know? So Gaff has that mentality for sure. Um, um, when I first met Cut, he was doing the same thing. He was um, mimic, He was finding uh, the original samples to all the tribe stuff, all the Pete Rock stuff, and then, and then taking it a step further and trying to make the beats too. So he could understand the yeah. production process, which I found really fascinating because I, I had never thought to do that. I was, again, just trying to find funky shit and do my own thing. Um, but I understood why he was doing it. It was like rudiments, you know, as a drummer, you do rudiments that kind of get you in the moment. And then, oh, this is the technique, you know. I started playing around. I don't produce at all, just for fun, you know, just on the side. You have your little, the little machine or whatever. I started going on the Internet and actually looking up um, classic drum patterns just how they're laid yeah. out and just kind of recreating it and working backwards from there and kind yeah, of that works kind of taught me a lot just about drums yeah, that works that works whatever works shit i mean if, if i do that all the time with chords so i, I feel you mm -hmm. yeah uh so totally like random question here tell me tell me about the time you tried to sign kanye west <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that curveball so i was um I, I've had a lot of jobs. I've had God, probably 15, 20 jobs in my lifetime. I've had a lot of jobs. And one of my jobs, I decided to kind of move towards the music industry as I was recording demos, and trying to get signed or whatever you want to call it, or just honing in on my craft. And I worked at a small label called Correct Records on the West Coast um, in, in L.A. And um, they signed a few groups. Uh, they signed Manish and Al Tariq from Beat Nuts. And they said, hey, you know, you seem to be pretty, you know, street record savvy. You know, you're a DJ. You collect a lot of white labels. Do you want to try your hand at a and i am like, yeah, sure, whatever. I, I didn't give a shit. I was just trying to pay for rent. Honest, honestly, yeah. I, I didn't care anything about the music business, um, mm -hmm. which later turned out to be a whole different thing. Um, but so I found this artist out of, Chicago named Grav and he played me um, or he sent me his demo I think it had like four to six songs I can't remember but uh, one of the songs was produced by Kanye and uh, I remember going to the president of the label and going hey you know this is some crazy shit um, we came back to Grav and we said hey if you do the rest of that album with Kanye um, we can put it out I think that was kind of how it went in, in a roundabout mm -hmm. way. It wasn't that direct. It was in a roundabout way. And so, long story short, that was Kanye's debut. And uh, we tried to sign Kanye, but then the label kind of fell apart. The label started doing, like, reggae stuff. And then eventually just completely stopped putting out music and everybody went their own ways. And that was, like, I literally went full force into J5 after that. So that was, yeah. Okay. But I was in the studio with Kanye in New York recording that album. I did scratches on I think two or three of the cuts. Um, yeah, that's how I met Kanye. <laughs> Do you remember the tracks? What uh, I want to say, "Sick Thoughts" was one of them, and then there's a few others that I was you know, like either helping mixing, I want to say, or scratching on. I forget, I forget which. Uh, did you back then? Did you have like the foresight to know that he would go on to do such big things? 
Oh yeah, no, I, I thought Kanye had it. Uh, I, I thought yeah. at that time, just at that time, this was 1996, so this is the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. I, at that time, I thought he needed to work on um, the rhyming a little bit and the writing more than anything else. Okay. But the beats were there, and he was very um, unafraid to explore. You yeah. know, and at that time it was very keep it real, one steady tempo, ba boom boom cat, ba boom boom cat, yeah. ninety BPM. You know, like, and he was, yeah, he was exploring, P- pushing yeah, the envelope a bit. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I think the first the first taste of him I I had where I'm like, okay, this guy's dope is uh, uh, with dilated people. Yeah, right? yeah, that verse is pretty yeah, sick. No, I mean, and well, what. In my personal opinion, when it comes to Kanye, if we're talking from like an art perspective, um, I actually think he's an incredible MC. Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. A lot of people will, you know, have different views on this, but he's one of the people where you can follow his train of thought, and that's what drew me yeah. to him and wanted me to bring him to, to that label. Correct? Is you know, a lot of MCs you get in this thing where you're you're, you're listening to them. It's a great beat. You're like, wow, this has some good energy, and the MC will be like. One minute, you know, jibbing to a girl. Next minute, he's in an alley fight. Next minute, he's trying to get into a club. <laughs> Next minute, he's blinging out. It's just like, okay, what do you want? You know, like, okay, okay, cool. Like, and I understand, you know, like, if you can, I guess you can classify that underneath flex, you know, rhyming or whatever. That's cool. I like that. LL Cool J used to do that all the time, and I loved it, and I still love it. But with Kanye, he had a cohesive train of thought. Yeah. You would follow him if it's on Gold Digger. You, you're following him the whole way, like from bar yeah. one to sixteen, and then the hooks are you're like, oh, oh, the hook just encapsulated everything he's saying. Like, all right, like, yeah. and that's really important. It's like a bedtime story, and everybody loves a bedtime story. He, um, he, he understands something that a lot of MCs don't. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, politics aside, we're not here to talk no, no, about no, that. No. We're just here to talk about yeah, the music. It's the art department today. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned you have you have a ton of different jobs, and and one of them currently is a record label owner, Hot Plate Records. Yeah. So, congrats on the recent release of the trademark. Thank EP. you. Yeah, we released uh, Zodiac Killer with Method Man um, to kind Dope of track. like give Dope an track. exclusive track to the whole Zodiac track series that I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and. Um, that kind of came about from uh, the television show we're on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And drop, drop the, the mic. mic. And um, yeah, I just was, I told him, I'm like, Hey, I'm doing the series. I actually honored you on one of the <laughs> seasons. And I just put headphones mm-hmm. on his head while we we're at a commercial break and said, you dig it. Cool. And yeah, I was nervous as hell. Cause you know, like in one blow, your ego can be crushed <laughs> by <laughs> with that by note? someone who is not whack, <laughs> by someone yeah, yeah. who would tell you how it really is and you respect them. So I was really fucking nervous, man. Like, and like he was like, "Yeah, you know, how, how can we hear?" It? And I had to like put the headphones on his head. Like I was like, "Oh, fuck, what am I <laughs> doing right now?" Like, God, you know. Yeah, like if someone did that to you, you would be probably like, "Oh, well, man. I've been on this shit, like this tightrope walk bullshit, and you know, this learning thing, you know, like and just like testing myself, you know, Zodiac being one of them, and 
rhythm roulette, you know. And so, like, here I am putting headphones on Method Man. I'm like, what am I fucking doing <laughs> now, man? So, and so, like, with two, in, within two seconds, he's moving his head. He's like, oh, I'm fucking with this new. And I'm like, oh, my nice. God. Like, is this for real? So he, he killed it, man. He killed it. How long did he sit with that? Did you guys get in the studio <clears throat> together after that? And, so I saw him on set, like, or... twice after that. And he's like, we're going to do it new. And I, and I was about to tell him, like, hey, we, we have an opening next month. You know, because we were on set recording a lot, and he said, "Hey, can I come by tonight?" And I was like, "Oh, dope!" So it was, and he he knocked it out basically in one take. It was like nothing. Crazy. And th- th- it was one of the more unique um, sessions that I've ever done because he walked right in and he acted like he almost had been in my studio before. He walked right to the headphones, like the right pair of headphones, okay. put them on, and he said, "Let's go," you know, and and like I was like he must have been like cheat up in the car or something like he must have been ready you know what yeah. i mean cuz like yeah, yeah. i'd say no no small talk straight to I, it. i've never had that happen in my studio I've, every mc wants to get in talk about politics my releases their releases things they don't like that's going on in the news uh the girlfriends bothering them the ki- the kids are driving <laughs> them crazy uh you know everything under the sun that you know guys want to talk about you know to to let off the steam before they can actually open up that part in their mind to become creative in the studio meth walked right in and the funniest part was i have <laughs> my boy chris um uh, djc brown was there to kind of film it to cap <laughs> capture the moment and he didn't want to be like in meth's face right when he walked in my studio with a camera so he had everything in his bag still so i have my pro yeah. tools ready to go so Mess like let's go and i just hear my boy just unzipping a ton of zippers like <laughs> at like brake light speed like zip, 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 like yeah, and yeah. i'm just laughing i'm trying like i've never my emotions have never been tugged in so many different directions like it's like oh shit i got mess in my booth okay and it's like yeah. oh wait i gotta be logical don't fan out and then i got then i'm like yeah, laughing because yeah, yeah. my you know one of my good friends is like scurrying trying like struggle. trying to get yeah, his yeah. shit and i'm like really this is this session this is how this session it was just funny man it was just i I was pulled in a lot of different directions it was it was the ultimate test of concentration it was the ultimate test of like hey you got to be in the now and like stop thinking so yeah yeah Yeah. it it was it was a cool session but yeah so that was it yeah so that's out and that's all all on my website djnewmark.com um and i have a new release um called trademark with myself slim kid trey and newcomer austin antoine um and the video is doing really well the feedback's been great on it uh both of these releases zodiac and trademark we're doing on seven inch vinyl as well trademark has an ep attached to it that's also doing really well i'm I'm very fortunate because that was very much a passion project uh uh you know I wasn't looking at it like a, in any ways like to make a lot of money. It just I really enjoy working with Trey. He's one of these MCs that is like, hey, let's try something whack to yeah. see if something <laughs> dope comes out of it. And I'm like, wow, you're my kind of guy, you know? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, dude, let's 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 you know, let's explore like Ron Shrooms, you know? Like it, it's it's really fun um, exploring with Trey. He 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 knows how to have fun in the studio. Yeah. I think it's it's really dope that you're releasing all the instros and a- acapellas with it too, because I mean I, I miss that so much these yeah. days. You know? Yeah, I, you know I I think um, a, a lot of producers or labels um, 
give the audience what they want to give, but it's not really giving, is it? You got you got to listen no. to what people really want, and when you when you listen, then you're giving. You know, like when you listen to like when I read the comments when it's Zodiac, and they're like, "Hey, where's the credits?" And I'm mm. like, "Hmm, that's what you want. You want credits, right?" I didn't think I was playing anything weird in Zodiac. I guess it is okay. There's a lot of young kids mm-hmm. here, and then I start thinking about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, they're not gonna know, you know, this Betty Ford thing, or they're not gonna know this, you know, <laughs> they're not gonna know this crazy obscure sample or they might not know niagara or whatever you know and so i'm like oh so i put that on the usb you know and usb has and that's still available right i I know it was available yeah yeah we're like on our fourth or fifth press so anybody listening that's purchased it and waiting on it excuse the wait we got clobbered by chinese new year um Mm -hmm. but yeah no we're 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 making them and those sold like crazy um it has both seasons of zodiac tracks the the videos um, video links, I should say, and the audio and the song with Method Man, all the versions, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's really about listening. Was my point, you know, like you know, and and that's why I did the instrumentals and the acapellas and all that stuff because people will tell you what they want from your brand. You just have to stop talking so much <laughs> and yeah. just listen yeah. to what they have yeah. to say, you know, or stop freestyling what For you sure. think they'd want, you know, because we all have that yeah. tendency as creators. We're like, oh, they'll love this idea. And they're like, crickets galore, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And yeah, so finally, you're you're in Toronto now for a, a very special event with uh, the homie Scratch Bastard at Corner yeah, Hall. Yeah, the, the, the grinning DJ. How does a guy... <laughs> the grinning DJ. How does a guy smile the whole time while he's doing intricate cuts like that? I'll never understand... <laughs> I'll never understand. I, I I look like I'm doing my fucking taxes up there, man. <laughs> Fuck. If you go through the 20 plus episodes and any time his name is brought up, immediately that's what people are just in awe. Like, you know, how? some of the top DJs and everyone is how? just like, how is this guy so happy? How? Like, I mean, like, dude, like, it's like I'm envious of it. Like, it's how do you do mm-hmm. it? Like, yeah, so it's, um, I love Paul. Me and Paul have the same fucking sense of humor. We're always laughing. Um, I'm honored to, to be playing Colonel Hall. Um, I haven't played. Tr- and that's a beautiful yeah. space, beautiful space. You, It's going to be your first time in there, I guess. Yeah, right? my first time. I hope you, hope some people come out and check us out. Um, I haven't played Toronto in probably 10 years, something yes. like that. Um, I've played everywhere else. I just don't play Toronto and I keep asking. It's probably good. I don't go to Toronto very much because I'd be broke over at Aki's store, like I mentioned earlier. So <laughs> yeah, this, the, that's probably the, the, the gods like working their magic. So I don't go bankrupt. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a great show. I'm going to be kind of doing like a best of, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, maybe it's not, I, yeah, I guess maybe it is a best of. But uh, I'll be doing some toys. Uh, I might do like a few Zodiacs. I won't have time to do all, all of them, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. I have an hour set. Um, and Lord Finesse is going to be joining us, too. Yeah, yeah we heard yeah. about that. Pumped. So, I was going to ask you if uh, if if the toys were going to be brought out and, and how you travel with those. Yeah, the traveling with the toys is the fucking hardest part. They're going to they're, they're they're with me. <laughs> um, I've spent more time on the case for the toys than the actual toy set <laughs> um i'm always over five pounds at the airport so they're, they're killing me they're drilling me at the airport but um yeah the, the cases are like a lightweight case with like some of the toys velcroed on top of them on on the boards inside 
and they're fa- <laughs> how do I explain this? Okay, so half of the toys are facing one set of the case, and the other toys are facing the other side of the case. Uh, they're like mirrored inside. It's like an oven. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, dude. You should cover this. Like, I you should take so. a picture at the at the at the show. I might actually bring a different case though, because I I'm I'm doing bringing out some new toys. Like I have, you know, I, I had an Energizer Bunny, um, you know, animatronic Energizer Bunny. That's like one of the new things, and so yeah, there's nice. there's some new players that have to be packed differently. Yeah. Have you, do you rewire them yourself? Are you become a bit of an electrician at this no, point? No, I, I, um, I know how to solder and do like, you know, quarter inch outputs, but I'm, my soldering is really messy and I'm, I, I don't have the patience for it. So I just, I outsource that to the homies that do that for a living, you know, put money yeah. in their pocket, make them happy, you know, and, and this way I can just keep dreaming of the idea I want and they can just keep rewiring them for me. As far as the outputs, I don't do any circuit bending. I don't. I, there's a there's a yeah. whole group of people that always hit me up like, "Yo, you're gonna circuit bend this fucking naked baby on stage," and I'm like, "Dude, like, nah." It's, it's, I I yeah. can imagine the people that are hitting you up uh, just based on your diverse like interests and stuff must be like quite quite a yeah. vast variety of people. Yeah, no, I'm kind of trying to find like, yeah, my my brain is in like one or two places with the toy thing. I, like, I either want to find the pure essence of the toy that it does something really dope i don't want to tamper with it or i want to take something that's not a toy and make it an anim- animatronic toy that points to midi that's kind of how my my yeah. brain is wired did you ever score that uh toy record press uh, uh, that german guy had God. how do you know about that i, I posted that that i wanted that that bad <laughs> i i just i just dug man deep there, you're going you know? in dude you're on some nardwar shit over here <laughs> um no i did and it's killing me, man. It's really <laughs> fucking cool. You see New's face right now. Oh, He's got a bit man. of a grimace on it. Yeah, it's, it's really like, fucking <laughs> cool. That thing is really fucking cool. Yeah, there's that, and then there's one piece that that um, Supreme uh, Supreme LaRock has out of uh, Seattle. Yeah. Oh, fuck this! He he just will not come up off this fucking thing, and it's pissing me off. <laughs> it's like two turntables and a mixer all in one kid's toy unit like a okay. real two turntables and a mixer like in it's yellow okay and a fader i'm not not a fader they're like rotary knobs and shit but i'm like okay. i want to do a whole gig on this like what's up dude like he will not come up off of this fucking thing man yeah, he has he let you even touch no, I it yet, or it. like I play around with it. In it? Person. I've just I've just seen pictures. Okay, um, never seen. Might be a trip up to Seattle in the works. Yeah, eh? uh, I I'm always up there. He doesn't give a shit. I don't know what <laughs> it's gonna take. He's mentioned some crazy records that I've never even acquired or seen, let alone acquired. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's better off trading with Aki. So shit, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. That that one's killing me too. So yeah, there's two two big ones out there awesome time before we do wrap up anything else like that we missed that you want to plug um check out? i have a new single coming out well shit well so this will already air by that time well there's i haven't how do i say this there's a new trademark um uh, single called pick it up with a video um out now um come visit me on all okay. my socials all my socials are dj newmark um except for Instagram, which is DJ Newmark without the hyphen. The rest of them have the hyphen, DJ NU hyphen Mark. Um, But yeah, man, Um, thanks so much for having me. And uh, 
I'll keep on giving you guys, uh, I guess, steady content. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Oh, man. Appreciate your time, yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, this is awesome, man. Thank Pleasure's you. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me, fellas. Peace. Peace. Peace.